Today is October 2nd, 2022. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki nagana go nekochi chestokom aki or dekots nagotini siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson and I use she and her pronouns. I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot South of the imposed U.S. Canadian border are the Blackfeet, and north of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stony, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. As it is Pride Month, um, I did want to exactly mention that the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on this land by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space uh, for Indigenous as well as honoring the host as the guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important that land acknowledgements have meaning I encourage everyone, everyone. So if you are a white settler listener, if you are a black listener, if you are a person of color listener and you don't identify as indigenous, I want you to listen to that again. I encourage all to introduce themselves with their acknowledgement of their ancestors, stories of displacement, how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee or other land displacement so we as Indigenous people know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nations names, won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, won't acknowledge imposed economic oppression or your role in reconciliation or, or treaty, I determine how safe you are to be around my family, my community and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101 because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those that call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you might be from, show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. And Jesse Winte's book, Unreconciled, chapter 13, pages 180 and 181, explain it perfectly. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe in Treaty 11. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to as the land of the hair people. Um, I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Clincho Tene Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town, named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or on Blackfoot Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, an English name, which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act and post status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution, while having a Canadian Indian Act and post status card which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous people's inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit or the Indigenous 2S LGBTQ2 community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socio-economic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. 
As a Dening woman who attempted to run after joining harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allow incarceration, a denial of justice, a denial of healthcare services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have work to continue. Reports to advocate for and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I cannot say have a great long weekend because the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation isn't just a long weekend for me, but very clearly for some Calgarians, it certainly was. Um, when I know my community is still dying from the current drug policies and systems of imposed Christian-based policed um, drug policies with abstinence program, um, private healthcare and justice systems built on racism, land theft and imposed British constructs that continue genocide of indigenous peoples. You know, today, if you are to look into the news, you can name names of people that you are thinking about. Um, I'm thinking of Dawn DeMont Walker and her son, uh, Vinnie Jansen, as they try to <laughs> deal with the incredible justice system that didn't protect them, but now will go after them to separate and jail them. Uh, there's so many people every day that die on Turtle Island. And we every single time I, I turn on this mic, it's a responsibility to honor them and honor their lives. And I hope that you think of them. I hope you see your role in the importance of stopping the harm as a citizen. And when we talk about truth and reconciliation, until we stop the systemic racism that Indian Residential School created, the Indian Act created, we are going to continue to perpetuate that harm. So that's why if I don't see people working on those solutions, if they don't even know what the solutions are, then I know that they are not my ally. They are not a person that considers themselves a treaty partner and they're not committed to reconciliation. Um, I do wanna honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. I always uh, jokingly say, and today or this last week, I did a lot of teachings um, that uh, all the Northern Dene you know, laugh at us Southerners and say, you don't put the wrong. Um, well, I used a Mike Myers joke, actually. I said, you don't put the, the right emphasis on the right syllable because he said that in a movie once and it just cracks me up. But anyway, they do say we don't emphasize the right um, words properly. So anyway, just wanted to throw that out there as I'm trying to learn my language that was stolen from me. Any mistakes or misinterpretations about the entire podcast, not just language, is on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share my journey as I walk down the red road. I've been accused of nothing kind while surviving genocide, yet I have given free book clubs, podcasts, and info on my social media for years and have so many others. And at this point, it's just willful to be ignorant on these issues, uh, which we can see very clearly today in the National Post. Um, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for showing your support if you value listening or watching and can afford to give thank you to those who cannot afford to give. Love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. 
Also, giving a review helps on whichever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. You can go to nativecalgarian.com for all the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. Uh, so today I'm a bit solo, so I thought I would discuss a few things that uh, have popped up that I obviously haven't gotten a chance to really elaborate on. And I'll start a little bit about the Queen's death. Um, I actually was asked if I would just do a whole episode on this, and I'm like, why would I, you know, waste more breath on that person? And uh, as it turns out, created quite a stir in my non-Indigenous side of the family that I went on national television and said that I don't... Uh, mourn my oppressor my oppressor and um you know it, it just shows that even in my own family how much work uh there needs to be done with anti-racism work and indigenous education uh but at the end of the day it, it won't happen uh for everybody my hope is is that the next generations will do better i mean um brian jean put out a uh comment about oh well, but i have indigenous nieces and nephews and I replied well that's why we have articles that talk about how to talk to your racist uncle at the at Thanksgiving because that's ultimately what we have to uh, tolerate and put up with now I actually don't encourage indigenous people to tolerate and put up with it anymore I actually encourage you to avoid those situations and most actually do I'm I guess a lot more stubborn and I, I seem to be okay with being in those situations. Um, I'm sure the next time I see that uncle will likely be at a funeral that I won't be invited to, but we'll end up at. <laughs> we'll see though, I, uh, family stuff sucks and I know I'm not alone. So if you are a mixed person, I'd love to hear about your great family stories and uh, you know, building into the uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas season. Yeah, hey, this ought to be fun. Um, but yeah, it's interesting how um, I'll get talked about behind my back within the family um, and not actually talked to and asked how I'm doing. Like never in the history of my entire lifetime have I ever been called by a family member and said, oh my God, I didn't know. Um, I'm really sorry. Can we talk about it? Never, not one time. Um, never not one family member non-indigenous family member ever and in fact my indigenous family um you know it's it's a slow process of kind of trying to talk about it so i learn as i learn uh, what happened in my family and that's that's just the way it is but yeah apparently the queen's death triggered uh, some of my family to be talking about how wrong i am behind my back but not to pick up the phone and talk to me um as per usual um and i know i watched my mother be demonized by my own family non-indigenous family as someone who was crazy as someone who you know is she doing okay um always questioning her mental health for you know speaking out against the violence that she regularly received which is a really important conversation to have considering that right now um i'm thinking of the english family once again, they have uh, started with ceremony in Bagani and started walking towards Calgary for the October 4th Sisters in Spirit Vigil. And, uh, you know, it, it's a real reminder to non-Indigenous that violence is an everyday occurrence. We had September 30th to talk about Indian residential school survivors and, and those who didn't make it home yet. 
people don't see that the system that built all of that is still in place and continues harm every single day here. So um, <laughs> on May 5th, when uh, one of me and the family members were on the Boston Sea train, we had an incident and I can't remember if I even talked about it on the show, but uh, sure enough, had an incident on, on the 30th. And this one was a little harder because my daughter was there and we were dressed in our um, beautiful ribbon skirts that was made by a local friend here named Kathy Bear. Uh, beautiful rainbow ones, you've probably seen them at Pride. These were the ones we wore again because um, we, while we did have orange shirts, um, I told my daughter, you don't have to wear an orange shirt if you're wearing your regalia for God's sakes, because like you're indigenous, that's enough. So, uh, but on the sea train, zero people were wearing orange shirts. Like for Calgary, this was not a thing. My husband uh, went to work and he was wearing one and one other person purposely wore an orange hoodie for the gravity of the day. Uh, but the good news was his, his uh, boss put out an email that had an incredible list of resources of uh, you know what that day was, et cetera. Yes, they worked it, it's in Alberta. And I, I wanted to bring that up for two reasons. We were gonna talk a little bit about the queen. I don't like to give that uh, much airtime because I don't have much respect for the monarchy, but um, you know, everybody had a day off the day that she was buried, the state funeral. <laughs> and lots of people took that time off. Uh, as many of you know, I'm embedded in colonial politics and all the pro uh, queen posts and statuses and pictures got so many likes and broken hearts and solidarity. But uh, I shared many, many articles. I, I was on TV talking about, um, you know, that this is our oppressor who's never lived up to the treaties. And I tell you, those same folks did not like and share my information. And even if it didn't come from me, like that's part of the reason why I share a lot of the other indigenous voices is because I know one, your algorithms are set to, for, to ignore women and women of color always. Like that's just standard and especially indigenous people. Um, and if you Google that, you will see lots of evidence to support that. Um, but I share other people's opinions and such because one, they usually say it a billion times better than I do, but they also, um, you know, it shows different perspectives of the same situation uh, from Indigenous voices. So anyway, um, you know, by no means was I alone in sharing my disdain. And uh, <laughs> I actually lost a, a friend, an Indigenous friend, because you know, she didn't think it was appropriate for me to talk about war cries. And I was like, <laughs> okay, but I mean, we all have different teachings and normally I would be okay with it. But for non-Indigenous people, you have to understand that our trauma is deep. Our trauma is not resolved. And we it is easier for us to attack each other than it is the system. And it it's really upsetting because they don't see it as that you see it is this racist trope of all those natives are still fighting with each other that's not what it is it's that we are triggered by this system that you imposed we have no recourse and we have no accountability 
So it's easier to attack each other. And that's why I, if you are a listener, you have uh, heard, me, heard me speak many times about internalized racism. And that's what that is. And I highly suspect a lot of folks have never actually looked into it, read more into it, which is disappointing because then I'm fighting not just the colonial system, white people's ignorance, settlers' ignorance, but then my own people. So needless to say, the Queen's death, September 30th, it always brings up pain, trauma, and a loss of friends and family. And that has always been my experience because of racism. And that is the root of this issue is racism. Um, so anyway, as you are listening to me across Canada, by the way, Ontario, you slightly are ahead of Alberta now for my listeners, not by much, but by some. Um, October 4th is Sisters in Spirit Vigils. They're all across Canada. So if you are listening in Grand Prairie, I know you have one. If you're in Yellowknife, I know you have one. If you're in Ontario, I know there's a Sisters in Spirit Vigil. And um, <laughs> you would be shocked at how many folks were still messaging me, Michelle, where can I purchase orange shirts? And there are a lot of times I am a smart ass and just reply back, oh, is your Google broken? Because I mean, it's not like the resources aren't there. And it's not, you just want, you know, that lowly indigenous woman that you're already oppressing. You just want her to do your work for you for free because you're a fucking asshole. So if you're one of those people who sent me that message, know that I am thinking that because it is absolutely unacceptable for you to keep expecting Indigenous people who have lost their land, lost their language, lost their culture, don't get jobs solely based off of racism, and you just expect them to do your labor for them. So just fuck off with that. Just do that work. Um, and I'm purposely using the F-bomb because um, for those settlers who think that you have to say it nice enough, Trust me, we've been saying it nice enough. Um, your tr attempt at tone policing us is not helping. You're putting more effort into tone policing somebody than fighting racism. And that's a poor reflection of you, not on us for using foul language. So I can't emphasize that enough to my new folks who are listening, you are going to hear swearing throughout this because that's the proper use of the term after you forced us to learn your damn language of English. So, um, you know, you're either here to learn about Indigenous issues and racism or you're not. And um, don't pretend you're my ally. In fact, there are a lot of folks who think they're my ally and it's really clear to me they don't know the basics because I put this up on every single podcast. <laughs> So I know you're not listening. Um, and, and the folks that do listen, I, I want to acknowledge you too in a good way, because I'm almost a year up to when we lost our, our job in Lethbridge. And let me tell you, it was a lot of my friends and family that uh, stepped up and sent us, whether it was $5 or a couple hundred dollars to help us with moving costs and moving back. And I will be forever grateful for that. Um, I have met a few of you in real life. And I, I do want to address a little bit about um, 
I don't know what if fame is the right word, but oh, Trevor Noah said it so perfectly. I encourage you to read or watch this little video of him talking about his grandma and his grandma uh, was asked the question, what do you think of your famous grandson? And he said, the thing is about that is that there's something about North America having the way they are about fame. And he said that in South America, it's not like that or South America, I apologize, South America and South Africa. In South Africa, that's where he's from. Uh, he, he said that fame is not a currency that it is here. And I've never heard it so eloquently said before because while some of you will say really kind things to me, especially in real life and say that you're fangirling me, I want you to know I am as imperf imperfect as you in every way there's no question and fame isn't the currency it used to be for me anymore because now i understand the problems with that and how that's a part of a colonial narrative and um so i just i wanted to address that and i mean but that said i don't know how to always talk about that because like there are a lot of people i really love and highly regard like wilton little child murray sinclair Cindy Blackstock, you know, there are some folks that I love to pieces. Um, and then there's famous people that I actually know and like, like I do know Justin Trudeau and his wife, and they don't know me know me like they probably don't even know my daughter's name, or my husband's name, but I know them, they know me, and I have no influence whatsoever with them. And they, of course, have every influence with me because they are the prime minister, <laughs> the prime minister's wife. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean if push came to shove, I wouldn't say what I needed to say if I had the opportunity to say it. And the liberals know that. And there are a lot of times I am excluded for that reason. So I know some of you think I have some kind of power or control, but I actually don't. And when you when you judge me when you when you say that I do and I I don't like you don't understand how power party structures work and how that can't be true. So for example, somebody actually accused me of um, when I post something on my social media of using that as government outreach, and it's like no. Nah. <laughs> I, I actually found that such a um, insult I, and, and I obviously that was the purpose of saying it, but I just wanted to make it crystal clear on this podcast like at no no point have the Liberal Party ever taken anything I've said and used it in any capacity in their platforms or policies that are meaningful like so for example, one of the proudest liberal moments I ever had was, I think I wanna say 2013, 14, when we were developing policy and we, we, we said we have to have a national inquiry. And I didn't develop that policy, um, another liberal did. And you know I have a deep respect for her always for that. And when it passed, I videotaped it. It was a really proud moment. Um, and for those who don't know how policy works, you only get a couple. Like that's it. It doesn't matter if there's 400 problems in the country, you only get your three. You can only deal with three of them. And that's just the way policy works and it sucks. And that's why at the beginning of every podcast, you'll hear me say 
you know, I go to these things and I vote on incomplete policies because that's how it actually works. So I hope that explains a little bit of it about that. And, uh, you know, I wish this person listened to my podcast. I could tell by some of the other things they said that they <laughs> never listened and will never, and they will probably won't hear this, but it, it's just, I wanted to address it because I think it's important that people understand Indigenous women do not have clout in this country. We don't have influence um, unless it's, you know, uh, written in a book, said by a doctorate. And even then, it's still downplayed in this country as relevant because as Indigenous women and like, and most women, even white settler women will, will agree that if your opinion is not from a male, it is lesser than. So, you know, this is just a constant thing that we face as Indigenous people. Um, so we were, my daughter and I were all dressed up and asked to speak for an event. And, you know, again, we're not rich. We don't have influence or power or money. So we took the sea train to uh, the event again. And sure enough, there was a woman who took it upon herself to try to, you know, talk to the people around her about this sleeping person on the sea train. And when she went to take a photo of him, I immediately jumped in front and said, it's not okay for you to take photos. Do you know what today is? And she got so angry. She's like, yes. And she said, look at my face. And she was a brown woman and she went out of her way to try to say that she understands when clearly she doesn't. So I just turned my back to her and tried to protect this person's, you know, integrity and dignity the best that I could. And uh, then she got mad and uh, yelled, well, don't touch me. And I said, I have witnesses all around here telling like that can say I never touched you. And she was mad. She's like, I'm going to call the police. I'm like, do it. And I just challenged her, call the cops, then just do it. And she didn't, of course, but she got up all in a huff and a puff and went to um, the other side after yelling at me that I need to clean my people, my kind up. And I need to, um, you know, whatever, whatever she freaking said, something stupid. So she says this and on the other side of the sea trains trying to take video of me and I've been excited for that to go viral hoping it would go viral because I sure didn't get it on video I did get a picture of her eventually but I don't have a video of the entire incident so um so that happened and somebody asked me how my September 30th went and I described the situation and immediately was dismissed by this person who asked me the question and said, but you can't think that all of us are like that, right? So then I had to stop her and say, look, you don't know what it's like to have to um, go through a hate crime, a racial attack. And I have to do it every single time I'm on public transit wearing anything indigenous identifying because there's always a question when I don't like, hmm, what is she? But then as soon as I'm wearing something indigenous, then it's that, oh, she's the motherfucking native and nobody makes eye contact with you, smiles to you, engages with you, talks to you, nothing. Um, unless you don't look indigenous and you're certainly not uh, proud of who you are. 
So that's just my everyday on the C train. And I said to this woman that tried to downplay this, that, you know, until folks start stepping up because the entire C train was filled. Nobody was wearing an orange shirt. There was a black woman who eventually said something, but honestly, I know I've read enough about um, racism. I mean, honestly, she was just protecting herself too. So I kind of backed off a bit about, you know, clapping back and, and just let it be because I obviously didn't want to endanger anybody else. And, um, but I also wanted to show my daughter to stand up for herself because it's not okay that Canadians continue to do this to us. You know, even some people will wear an orange shirt, but not step in in a situation like that at all. And I'm glad it happened to me, not my daughter or other people, because I will clap back and stand up for myself, but a lot of people won't. So the expectation from this woman who stopped me to ask me about what I thought of the day was for me to be like, oh my God, can I doing so great on reconciliation? But of course, that's not what I said. And she was disappointed. I basically wouldn't compliment Canada for trying to do more. So, you know, it, it's back to that. Uh, there's a racist trope I've heard my entire life. And it's, you can't make natives happy. They'll never be happy. And it's not that folks. It's you will never put yourself in a position of empathy, compassion, vulnerability and actual education to learn why this hurts so much and that's what happened um now the entire week i had some really good uh teaching situations i had some really crappy ones too like i actually taught two classes i didn't think were going to happen uh because of the way the management had treated me and the management had made me go through all of this rigmarole for like setting this up and they were rude to me the entire time they made me fill out all these vendor sheets i had to give them my banking information everything and um and i said i i never do it without payment up front and i was doing you all a favor by trying to make sure we arranged this properly and then sure enough they paid me the check for the first bit of consultation that they were rude to me I do the teachings anyway, no one was more shocked than I was they couldn't even send me a, you know a BCC saying hey we're sending this out to the entire company. Uh, to be here at this time to watch you, uh, so I didn't even have confirmation they wanted me because they they made it very clear I was just a stupid fucking vendor to them and um, they were going to look at other options. So they never got back to me to tell me, oh, we actually didn't look into other options. And yes, we'd like to have you. Um, so anyway, taught the two classes and, um, you know, I kind of got asked the same questions about reconciliation and such. And, um, and so I wanted to answer them on my podcast too, and just say to people that, you know, until Canada really understands the truth, we cannot have reconciliation. Now, my podcast listeners who I appreciate, I know you hear that all the time, but I'm not joking. This is still brand new to people. Uh, a lot of people don't have orange shirts, don't know where to buy them. I mean, they're at Walmart, London Drugs. If anybody took the time to Google Indigenous, you know, create uh, clothing lines local, 
they would find lots of options, but they just don't even bother. So for a lot of folks, like we're still at the basics. A lot of people told me repeatedly, I didn't know I was a treaty partner. That was something new I learned from you. So literally I, you know, went to these sessions to talk about so many things. And that was the one thing they learned was that they are treaty partners. So I'm telling you all this on podcasts in hopes that you remind other people that. And it's sad, this is where we're still at. We're, we're not gonna have reconciliation with this is the, the standard where, you know, all indigenous people are gonna be treated poorly on public transit, um, that we're going to be questioned about, you know, what, how we should say things, uh, no swearing, like, come on guys. Like either you're serious about doing the work of anti-racism or you're not. And when you tone police, you're not. If you don't know what tone policing is, please Google it. And please put your effort towards fighting racism, not tone policing people for swearing. So, you know, that I, I want to help people, but at the same time, I block people easily when it comes to these things. And uh, yeah, I, I uh, had uh, a really funny week actually uh with TikTok. <laughs> so speaking of performative activism um what is not funny is what's happening in iran and it's been that way as long as i can remember i was born in 77 and i know um what happened uh with the western involvement in the 70s and 80s and i grew up watching oliver north at, at the iran contra affair now i forget sometimes that my family's a little more out there and we watch the news religiously and my dad watched all the world war one and two shows religiously and you know so maybe the rest of you don't remember but i sure remember all of that and the biggest thing i learned from that is that the west is the one that has, is causing all the problems in the globe and i've known that forever and when 9 11 happened i thought either it was revenge for what had happened, for what we have done, or it was a false flag. And um, yeah, that's <laughs> my understanding of geopolitics. So anyway, on TikTok, a bunch of young TikTokers thought it would be a great idea for everyone in the Western world to cut their hair. And I mean, this is, <laughs> completely inappropriate to be asking any indigenous person to cut their hair at all after our history, let alone um, for something so performative. Um, and, and frankly, something that we as the West have a role of accountability for creating that has never been properly accounted for. But if you listen to this podcast, you know that, you know that I talk about um, the lack of accountability for everything, but this is back to uh, UNDRIP and the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. The West does not care about Indigenous people, whether they're in Iran or in Calgary, they care about making their freaking money. So that's what happened in Iran as well. And that's Western intervention, creating all of these problems creating a conservative uh, Muslim fascist ruler so that uh, Canada would have somebody to fight with. And of course, you know, the ironic part about it is that these new young activists who never read the news or 
pay attention to what our politicians are saying or doing. Literally, Justin Trudeau came, was one of the first people to come out and say, oh my God, I condemn what's going on in Iran and I absolutely am so sad and we stand in solidarity with indigenous or with uh, Iranian women. Of course he said that, it's, he has to say that, he's the prime minister. So it, it's not like there wasn't a lack of education of what was going on there. We know that's what's going on there. I've known that my entire life. I know they do public hangings. I know they have police that come in and beat the crap out of each other. And I think that's what they do here. But a lot of people disagreed with me on TikTok, but I don't also really got the impression they didn't know anything about Indigenous issues. They don't know anything about Canada. They don't know anything about our surveillance and um, us disproportionately being jailed and dying in their systems, whether it's healthcare, all of it, right? They have no idea. And they really clearly didn't know about the politics that geopolitics that had, um, the geopolitical climate that led to this as well, like no concept of it. So it was, you know, it's hard because you want to have a conversation with them, but they're not interested in that. All they're interested in is tone policing an Indigenous woman because they know they can and have for years and will get away with it. But at the end of the day, um, I will say there still were some Indigenous women that I saw cut their hair for Iran, which is actually really like, uh, heartbreaking to know the gravity of what our hair means to us and still have some do it. But, you know, for, and, and I respect Indigenous women who chose to do that, but I did want to call it out as performative activism. And uh, there were, I, I seen videos of brown women and black women basically saying the same thing. And, and that's, you know, it, it just sucks because there's a lack of education of what's the situation in Iran, but also locally. And that's why I have the podcast, obviously, to talk about it. Um, and I don't mind. I actually thought it was funny, especially reading some of their stupidity about how they think, you know, there should be solidarity. <laughs> and I'm like, you fuckers can't even show up for Reconciliation Day, you know, Sisters in the Spirit Day, promote a single Indigenous person that you know. And in fact, the person who originally attacked me, holy shit, she freaking just lost it and she was making up multiple accounts and coming at me and I was just kind of I wouldn't respond obviously you don't respond to somebody who's so triggered but the amount of effort that she was putting into trying to tell me she was an ally when clearly she should just be focused on the issue at hand like it just showed if she put half of that energy into learning about indigenous issues how much further could we be as a country so that was kind of funny to me. Um, yeah, so folks who don't know, I just block people. I mean, if they would have had something of substance to say, maybe, but they obviously needed like a 101 on Iran and Western intervention, first and foremost. Second of all, like if they did, they would not be asking for more Western in, in intervention because that's the last thing you would want. <laughs> so that's my take, but I seen like, every mainstream media was talking about it. So to me, um, it was actually really mainstream. There's no secret about it. And anyone who doesn't know Iran does public hangings. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. It says more about your education system than anything. And I know they're not gonna learn it there. I just live in a, in a, in a house that watched the news. And of course now all I do is watch the news and talk about it with my family. So 
kind of feel bad for my daughter. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, I just wanted to throw, uh, I wanted to do a quick one uh, because I hadn't got a chance to really discuss any of that. I hope that there was something that you learned. I did learn a lot of people, uh, you know, were really surprised to find out how hard it is for Indigenous women to get Indian status. And I think that just is the basis of not understanding violence against women, the Indian Act and Indigenous issues, because, um, you know, I, I always show my uh, Indian Act and post status card at um, every one of my teachings. And I tell them we've been going through this process now for years with my daughter. Um, S3 allows her to have her status, but they took all our documents, sent them back and said, oh, we need to see those documents, the ones that we sent back. So now I got to go around the house and find those documents and send them back. And of course, I don't have time to be running around for Indian Affairs. So I said very clearly, there's no accountability to Indian Affairs and the shit they pull. It is easier in this country for uh, non-Indigenous people to get their passport as well as get their citizenship. And you hear the problems of both, but Indian Affairs is exactly the same, but there's no accountability whatsoever when it comes to these processes. So, you know, folks who don't know what I'm talking about, and this is the biggest thing they're learning, that's the basis of everything. It means they're not reading about Indigenous issues. They're not, you know, paying attention to the inquiry, all that stuff. So um, yeah, and that was another conversation I had a lot with folks where I said, you know, for about six months, and you all of my podcast listeners know because you went through this journey with me, but when the 215 um, graves were rediscovered and it went shock, it sent shockwaves throughout the country, you know, um, Deconstructing Karen actually said it right when their shock by white people that is a form of white supremacy so in canada i would say that's a form of settler supremacy because while the majority of people are white um it was shocking to everybody because they didn't know which showed me they didn't read the truth and reconciliation commission and they the people who were uh hiring me for my teachings beforehand I guess they just thought I made up the big gravestone that's at Fort Providence uh, Indian Residential School. It's sitting there. It was there long before the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Uh, Jack White Goose Flying, uh, he was relocated so that Glenmore Circle could be a thing. And he, he's put in the Queen Cemetery here. And that's why the city of Calgary named it after him. Uh, their look at the TRC. You know, I, I just, I know people don't get it. And I can't put the dots closer together for folks, but if these were their big revelations, like I just hope some of my podcast listeners during, uh, you know, Thanksgiving and such, like can maybe guide some of your friends and family. Cause like, I can't reply to every Jonathan Kay and Barbara Kay um, Indian residential school denial article that goes out there, but you can, or my listeners can. And the fact that you choose not to shows me that you still don't know how to be an ally. And you are either one, okay with Indigenous being treated that poorly, or two, you know, you're, you're just not there. And I don't know what it's going to take. So if you are a listener and, you know, you see racism on the C train station, you see Jonathan Kay and Barbara Kay and their shitty articles, 
and you think it's okay to not reply to them and, and not tell people why that's wrong. Like, I'd love to understand why. Um, and I'd, I'd love to understand why it is you're struggling so hard because like, I have to do this in front of my daughter and when I'm being personally attacked. So what is stopping you from doing something? Please, I'd love to know. So um, next Monday on October 10th is gonna be Res Rules by uh, Chief Clarence Louie. We're gonna do chapters seven and eight of the National Inquiry. Uh, we won't be posting uh, five and six because, and this happens a lot in my book club. I ask people, just let me know if you need me to pause you. And then they don't. And then afterwards they're like, oh, I don't want that. Can, can you cut out my part? I could, but here's the thing. Then you're asking me to do more labor. So quite frankly, I just kind of feel like, eh, if you were meant to be at my book club, you were. If you're not, you're not. So if you're a listener, you've been meaning to hit my book club, I'd love to have you listen to some of the recordings like Jesse Winty was so great and let us record them and it's up there but not every book clubber will. And that's why some of the uh, TRC or the National Inquiry isn't there because people shared really personal things and in retrospect, don't want them aired. And I respect that enough to not air it, but that means that you know I can't share any of it sometimes. So if you are interested about learning about the inquiry, you know, just at the minimum, read it. You know, You don't always have to give your opinion um if you're wanting to be on the podcast whatever um but just read it because if people are surprised to hear my daughter doesn't have her status because of indian affairs that shows me you haven't read it anyway standoff december 12th with bruce mciver and i haven't technically set up anything for january yet but i have a bit of a list of things i'd like to do so i'm hoping people will come finish up the national inquiry with me and such and and another common question I get about book club is, oh, do you have to be a member in order to come? It's like, no, you just come. Like, if you can come, you come. If you can't, you can't. Um, it's not a membership only. You have to pay $20 to get in. It's not like that. I've tried to make an open to the public book club so that people can learn about Indigenous issues. And lots of people who listen to my podcast have told me they've learned so much from me, which is great. And some of you donate, some of you don't. But I just, if I'm still getting told, oh my God, I didn't know I was a treaty partner, then it's not getting out there. It's not getting out to the people that need to know it. So I need your help so that I don't have to talk to my racist uncle. <laughs> I need you to talk to my racist uncle out in real life. I need, uh, you know, Brian Jean to get set aside from somebody other than his poor Indigenous nieces and nephews <laughs> and be told, hey, did you know this happens and this is why? But it's not getting out there, folks. So I just really encourage you to be a little stronger with your advocacy. Um, shout out to the Reconciliation Action Group for doing the work of putting out press releases saying, hey, we are not cool with this uh, lack of action on Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to actions, uh, the calls to justice. So I know the Alberta government has a big announcement on October 4th, which I think is awful because, you know, that is the day of mourning. It should be done not on that day, but a different day. But, you know, I'm sure it caught you off 
guard their Alberta government. So you're like, oh boy, we better make an announcement on that day. It better be good. It better be funding your 113 pathways to um, justice that you're very proud of. Anyway, um, I'm really proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural safety, cultural first aid in all of them. So if you go to heretohelp.bc.ca, there's a whole bunch of content about Indigenous people and what is Indigenous cultural safety and why I should care about it by authors Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fridkin. Uh, those are cultural action tools I've said in my podcast. You can support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work, Indigenous understanding, and treaty partnership. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat them here. RacialEquityTools.org has tons of resource files uh, by Donna Bevins. There's one called Internalized Racism. So if you are a person of color, like the uh, young brown Iranian woman who took it upon herself to spend hours attacking an Indigenous woman that she thinks she's an ally to, you might want to learn about internalized racism. Um, lateral violence in general. It's interesting. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of conversation about what lateral violence is and isn't. So again, you know, if these are their resources are out there. And uh, I, I am always saddened when I see my own people fighting with themselves over some of these things too, because, you know, <laughs> what's the point? Um, CBC just came out with a really great a documentary called um, Pretend to Indians. I haven't watched it yet, but it's basically uh, white people who try to pretend to be native in order to access money and grants. So um, you know, just for the record, not only can you see my Indian Act uh, imposed status card anytime, anywhere, <laughs> but you can also know that this is an independent podcast that has never gotten any funding from the government in any capacity. So I think that alone should be the proof that I must be pretty native. <laughs> At least I'm telling myself jokes. I got to get off of here. Do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. So that's AFSC.org. And there's lots you can do so that I'm not the only person who's forced to, you know, stand between some racist jerk trying to take pictures of folks on the C train that are sleeping. Um, if you see or experience racism, you can report them at actandracism.ca and text at 587-507-3838. And I haven't sent mine because I wasn't even sure if they would consider it racism. I recently checked them out and currently they brought in a bunch of Easterners to talk about racism rather than talking to local Treaty 7 leaders. Like there are so many here. So I was really disappointed with that. So I might actually quit promoting act to end racism.ca because I'm not sure how much they are really inclusive in Indigenous people. Um, Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions, and public hearings, just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. Uh, you know, I'm going to say this real quick. I've had a lot of uh, conservatives tried to say to me that, well, Justin Trudeau's not doing enough on reconciliation. And I say to them, but your conservative base uh, voted against the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People. And then they move the goalpost and they say, oh, I wasn't talking about the conservatives. 
And I'm like, yeah, but you can't have Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party be effective at reconciliation with absolutely nobody holding them to account, and especially the official opposition. And when the official opposition puts out their policies and their platform for any upcoming election, it is not based on reconciliation and equality. If, if any political um, party in this country was serious about reconciliation, first of all, there would be a dramatic injection of investment to make up for the decades and decades and decades of in, inequities. And then once we had structures and infrastructure set up like other Canadians, and then we got dollar to dollar funding, then at least we'd be on equal ground, but we're not there. And that would probably still be under Canadian governance instead of indigenous governance. So don't pretend to me that Justin Trudeau is not doing enough for Indigenous when the average Joe Canadian has no concept of what it is that needs to be done. That doesn't mean not holding Justin Trudeau to account. Absolutely, hold him to account. Hold the Liberal Party to account. But that doesn't mean that there's much for alternatives right now. And when people bring up the NDP, I, you know, it's, it's funny how they frame it. I can always tell when they're conservatives, they're like, well, look what the NDP has done to BC. And I'm like, well, actually, if you look at the provincial liberals that they had there and how much they hurt their economy, and then you've seen the switch in economy after the NDP were put in, that would actually be a reason to elect the NDP, wouldn't it? And then they, you know, get all flustered and change the subject. So, and I tell you this because I, I go door to door and <laughs> talk to people every day because I, I have a candidate I absolutely want elected. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. And, and that's the other thing, like people talk about holding Justin Trudeau to account, but most people don't even understand the orders of government and the political system we have, let alone being involved in it, let alone you know how many people of privilege regularly say to me, oh my God, I'd be so afraid to door knock because you know the atmosphere that's out there right now. And I regularly remind people, I have conversations every day with people. I, I do it on purpose and I, I don't get attacked. I'll, you know, would person to person, people are normal. It's on Twitter. It's on uh, social media that people are just right off their rockers on how to engage and talk about politics. So anyway, I really encourage people to actually get involved instead of just complain. Like there's so much work to do at so many different levels. And even for me, I've been working on saying no more because I can't do it all. And I'm okay with that. Uh, for 10 years, I've had no proxy uh, to take over for the IPC. Uh, so anyway, there's an election coming up within our own party structure. So if you were on my personal Facebook page, which I'm trying to limit less and less to people, and you're a liberal, I'd love for you to sign my papers. Uh, I need to check that status later today. I'll try to. Anyway, I'm trying to get around to all of that. Anyway, anyway, start talking about politics again. Holy, how did I get off link here? So listen to politicians and their policies and their platforms. If they don't recognize marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus if they're cutting violence prevention programs uh indigenous education uterus health choices drug consumption sites gay straight alliances a lack of human rights for migrants immigrants folks with disability 
Know that your vote to that party directly impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to actions, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform. That, you see, this is the thing. I'm naming all of these resources. You know how many people told me, oh, they didn't know that there were so many resources available. So I don't know, folks, who you're retweeting and who you're sharing to, but they ain't seeing your posts when I talk about these reports that you can obviously share this on. So anyway, provincially in Alberta, government uh, under Kenny created 113 Pathways to Justice, which they're gonna have some big announcement for on October 4th. So if you're all voting blue, you better be holding your blue MLAs to account on it. Um, municipally, we have the White Loose Flying Report. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are extremely experiencing extreme racism in society, media, education, and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians if they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. A great article I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth how non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. Literally, this is public. You can Google how to be an ally to Indigenous people. And there are multiple articles now. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything I talked about today and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll free, open 24 hours a day. They also have a website, hopeforwellness.ca, that has a little text option on there. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. If you are non-Indigenous, you can call uh, distress center lines in your area, usually a functioning 211 or 833-456-4566. Uh, the 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta is ssisa.ca. If you see or experience racism, report it at Act to End Racism or text at 587-507-3838. Following are two SLGBTQ plus crisis supports, which are available in most areas across Canada. So you can go to lifevoice.ca and find tons. Um, Trans Lifeline is 877-330-3633. Sorry, forget that. 877-330-6366. The Trevor Project, thank you for these resources for LGBTQ2 plus youth, 866-844-7386. Um, last episode was so great. Uh, we talked a lot about the drug poisoning crisis that we're, we're facing. And if you know somebody who is using uh, substances and most importantly do not use alone. If you are using alone, you can use the National Overdose Response Service at 888-688-NORS or you can also get the Brave and Doors app. Both of them will help you there. Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. This is self-care, how I take my power back. It is why I started a podcast to speak freely without interruption, tone police, leadership shaming, gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, 
but sure want to tell us theirs by people who know, know nothing about Indigenous peoples, our colonialism, the constant surveillance of our people, vigils, protests, rights. I and many others share this info on microaggressions daily, so it's unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. Folks like me are dealing with internalized racism, gatekeeping, uh, surviving off the status quo, folks who are in their trauma. You know, there's so many resources being depleted every single day. So me getting Karen asking me to get her an orange shirt is like disgusting. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me. Indigenous peoples, folks with disabilities, uh, Q, QT, BIPOC, and many others. Masicho to my ancestors. My granny and my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to say thank you to my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Aust Austrian family and roots and stepping up and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her, I am a second generation proud Calgarian. Uh, thank you to Big Buffalo Rockman uh, for producing and editing the show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child and support down my journey of the Red Road. He has witnessed decades of sexism and racism. And to our child thunderpipe necklace woman who spoke really, really uh, bravely, by the way, at the TRC event. Thank you so much to the community for having us out. Uh, we are blessed to learn from you daily. We are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. And I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues in a way that they can understand. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening and watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe and go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin responded, or you'd be in my dish. Thank you all for listening and for continuing to support this podcast.